Thanks, Janelle. Uh, we, we're, so we're, we're looking at Song of Songs, and, and as you may have gathered as it was read, it's a really tricky uh, book to interpret, and so to simplify things each week, we've had one point. Uh, so two weeks ago, uh, the most intimate of human relationships is passionate, uh, and then last week, dangerous, and this week, we'll see. How about we pray? Uh, our great God, we, we thank you for your word, uh, and we pray uh, that even this uh, wonderful book of poetry with breasts being mentioned, that you would use this in our lives uh, and for your glory. Amen. A friend uh, was recounting a phone conversation that he had with a telemarketer. Uh, this is in the days of the landline when we were easier to track down. He said, Malcolm 3, telemarketer 0. Uh, telemarketer, Mr Gill. Uh, Malcolm, yeah, how's your family? Uh, telemarketer, huh? My family? Malcolm, yeah, speaking of family, let me hand you over to my daughter. Uh, he put his seven-year-old to play her violin uh, and the phone went dead. Uh, can I show of hands who's had fun with a telemarketer before? Yeah, some, yeah. Uh, I reckon 100% of us. Uh, and they can even track you down on the mobile phone now, can't they? Uh, the message over the phone with the telemarketer, it's often you've won a free something or other. Uh, you've won a free laptop. Or, or would you be interested in being given a free holiday to the value of $10,000? Yes. Yes, I would. Uh, a free anything will, will often spark our interest. But the voice continues, will, well then... Uh, if you sign up to a two-year contract, you'll go in the draw to win. Uh, there's always strings attached, isn't there? Uh, some of us may have even been taught by our parents that nothing in life is free. And that obviously is the case when you're speaking to a telemarketer. It's that the marketing strategy of the, the free gift. When you buy our product... Uh, will throw in an Xbox with the internet package or some kind of voucher with your, your credit card points, uh, we end up paying uh, even if they say the so-called gift is free. Now, I wonder if you do this in your families when it comes to gift giving. Uh, Christmas and birthdays, the present. It has to be fair, doesn't it? And so that means that everyone has the same amount of money spent on them. Uh, and it's actually got to be given at the right time as well, say on the actual birthday or on Christmas Day, if it's a Christmas present. Uh, but if the gift doesn't ever come, say it's my birthday and such and such hasn't given me a gift, well, how dare they? It's my birthday. I deserve a present as if I've earned it or something. But surely that's not what a gift is. Uh, gifts cannot be earned or deserved. But we have this notion that nothing in life is free. And so when we receive a so-called gift, either we may think that we deserve it, I've earned it, I'm entitled to this, or we wonder what strings might be attached. What's the hidden payment going to be for this apparent gift? What will it cost me? 
Now, I say all of that by a very long way of introduction uh, because at times in our relationships, this is how we can operate in a transactional way. Strings attached to absolutely everything and nothing is free kind of thinking. And it can shape the way that we do sex, the way that we do marriage and relationships. And Song of Songs says, no, marriage, the most intimate of human relationships, is free. So if you've got your Bible, chapter 8 of Song of Songs, Solomon uh, comes into the picture for the second time. The first time he, he was sort of painted as a positive kingly figure. This time he's used as a negative example. Uh, and Solomon's sex life is far from the positive picture that Song of Songs paints. Uh, look at chapter 8, verse 11, if your Bible's there. And this is the woman speaking. So it was good to have a woman read, wasn't it? Uh, she says, Solomon had a vineyard in Baal Hammon. He let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. Now, that, that Baal Hammon place, we don't know where that was for sure. Uh, it's possible that it's even a fictitious place. But the name Baal Hammon, it means owner of wealth or owner of a crowd. And Solomon was certainly both. He would have had many vineyards that he would have leased to tenants. But here the woman is not talking about an actual vineyard. As is often the case in Song of Songs, what's on view is Solomon's body. Uh, not a source of grapes, but his sexuality. And we know that that was for sale. Uh, from 1 Kings 11 verse 3, we're told that Solomon, he used his sexuality for economic gain. He had 700 wives uh, of royal birth, not to mention the 300 mistresses. And you can sort of imagine it, can't you? Uh, one or two wives from each of the royal families of the surrounding nations. Perhaps he, he was given a, a particular princess as a as a wife to sweeten a trade deal of some sort. Uh, certain treaties might have been made here. Look, we'll throw in princess such and such. Uh, marrying your beautiful princess daughter off uh, to Solomon, that would have been a strategic move. Solomon will look after us. He's married to one of our daughters. And we've got the contract. It would have been in the interest of both Solomon and the surrounding nations to be making these sorts of connections. Marriage with strings attached. Love that's bought. Do you notice the very next verse, though? Let's have a look at what the woman says about herself. Verse 12 of chapter 8. She says, But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, O Solomon. And 200 are for those who tend its fruit. You notice, essentially, this is the woman uh, sending Solomon on his way. You can't buy me, King Solomon. Keep your money. You might have all the money in the world. You may even have almost all the women in the world, but you cannot have me. 
And you've been reading your Bible, you know that when Solomon's on the scene in the Bible story, this is a real high point for the Israelites. They're wealthy, they're powerful, and with the wealth and power of Solomon, we might imagine that he might see a woman he likes and he sends a messenger out to get her. Pay off the family, perhaps, make sure it's a contract that they cannot say no to. But this woman, she says no. No, my body, my love, it's mine to give. You cannot buy me. And from chapter 7, verse 10, uh, the woman says, Narelle read, uh, Janelle read there as well, she, she says, I belong to my lover and his desire is for me. This is the real thing. Uh, this is how it was designed to be. Uh, chapter 8, verse 7b, If we, we read, If one were to give all the wealth of his house for love, it would be utterly scorned. In Song of Songs, you cannot buy love. The message here is that while Solomon had all these women, probably the most physically beautiful women around, he missed out on the real thing. For love cannot be bought. Yet here we are this afternoon, uh, today, in a world where love and sex is for sale, where sex is often depersonalised and reduced to a product, something that can be bought and sold. And so you can visit a prostitute, you can log on to the net, you can do a host of other things. Our world says that sexual intimacy can be bought and sold, a transactional relationship. And Song of Songs says no. In fact, it's really rare, isn't it, for any relationship in our world to not be transactional. I don't know if you've noticed this, uh, at least on the news of late, our teens are growing up being taught by our, our broader culture that you have to do certain things to have a boyfriend or girlfriend, that you have to look a certain way, that you have to perform certain acts. And it's wonderful that now school kids, teens, are beginning to be educated on consent. Uh, and this is largely being driven by teenagers themselves. I don't know if you, you've noticed any of this. But brave girls saying it's okay to say no. It's sad that that isn't already a given. Uh, he took me out to dinner, so I have to. No. He bought me this or that, so I have to. No. Um, as a kid, I used to love playing with petrol. Uh, many of you d still do, yes. Uh, it's a quick way to light a big fire, isn't it, uh, petrol? You use petrol to prime it, and then you use diesel as the fuel. That's what some old farmer taught me anyway. Uh, one day I was at my cousin's house, and the parents were away, so we were experimenting with petrol. Uh, and it didn't take long for it to go wrong. Uh, the, the, the petrol tin caught fire, and my cousin panicked and threw it across the front yard, uh, the grass caught fire, his parents' four-wheel drive was sitting on the grass. It was a little bit panicky. The neighbours noticed what was going on and there was fire and there were hoses going everywhere. I think the neighbours were hosing us more than the actual fire. 
Uh, it turned out all right in the end. But petrol, petrol's great in the right context, isn't it? Uh, when it's uh, in the fuel tank and into the engine. But when you start mucking around with it, it doesn't take long for it to go wrong. And it's similar with sexual intimacy. Sex is a wonderful gift from God, designed by him for marriage, within marriage, a a lifelong commitment between a husband and and a wife. And Song of Songs says you cannot buy this kind of relationship. It can only be given freely. Uh, And perhaps you're someone who has given yourself freely to your husband or wife. But even then we can get this wrong in marriage. Uh, There's the husband who pays compliments to his wife and, and listens to her, not because he cares, Not because he's interested, but because he wants sex. There's the wife who gives herself physically, but only if the dishes are done, if the toilet seat is down and the holiday is planned. If you do this, I'll do that. If I do this for you, what are you going to do for me? And, of course, there's all kinds of bargaining tools, aren't there? It's not just sex. I was chatting to my brother a while ago. Um, uh, He'd been spending some time with some friends, and he was struck by the way a couple related, particularly in relation to their child. Uh, Their time was all divvied up. Uh, If he had the kid for an hour uh, on his own uh, and she had time out... Well, then she had to have the kid for an hour on her own while he had time out. It was as though they were just keeping time sheets, uh, not serving each other but balancing the books. And you can imagine that applied in their relationship to money earned and money spent uh, or jobs around the house or holiday destinations or time spent with the in-laws. There's no free giving of self there, is there? But strings attached to absolutely everything. Emotional connectedness is another bargaining tool. If you do something I don't like, I'll remove myself emotionally. After you've done what I want, I'll reconnect with you. Giving ourselves freely, it's actually really difficult And this is not to say that the difficulties shouldn't be talked through. They must be talked through. Counselling can be necessary to help with this. It's not just the marriage relationship, though, is it? We can make our general friendships conditional, transactional as well. They didn't ring me. They haven't rung me for ages. Well, I'm not going to ring them. They didn't have time for me then, so I'm not going to have time for them now. They hurt me, so I'll make them a mere acquaintance. Relationships with strings attached. Now, uh, you know the the Apostle John, he lived uh, into his old age. The the other apostles, the eyewitnesses of of Jesus' life and teaching, death and resurrection and ascension, 
They were, they were killed, martyred for their connection to Jesus. But old John died an old man. Poor fella, I reckon he probably would have liked to have gone earlier. And apparently he became so old and frail that they used to carry him out so that he could speak to the people. And so you picture them carrying John out, and then he winds up with his message. This was his message. Uh, little children, and you can say that when you're old, can't you? You're speaking to adults. Little children love one another. And so it's not surprising that in the Bible... His emphasis in uh, what he writes is on love. And so just two memory verses from the Bible. Uh, 1 John 3.16, not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And 1 John 4.19, we love. Why? Because you did that and we have this contractual, conditional relationship. No, we love because he, Jesus, first loved us. See, we can only ever really give ourselves freely in marriage or any other relationship when we're filled with the love of God. Now, that is a massive claim, isn't it? Especially if you're, not, if you're not yet a believer. But otherwise, we'll want it to become transactional in, in some way or another. If I do this, you must do that. And then we can end up with all kinds of difficulties in our relationship. But with Jesus, my needs are met. Our needs are met, our security is sure, and so in our relationships, we don't need to be transactional, but free, freely giving ourselves to each other according to the appropriate context, because God has given himself to us in Jesus, because Jesus shows us what true love is, we can freely give ourselves to each other. Now, I'm sort of conscious that I've said some pretty obvious stuff. But it's hard to apply, isn't it? It's hard to put into action. So I wonder whether you might go home and have a discussion about what this might look like in your relationships. But how about we pray that our community might be shaped according to this kind of relating. Let's, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to pause now and and thank you for the, the beautiful picture that we have in Song of Songs, uh, that that woman could uh, tell the powerful uh, and wealthy Solomon, you can't have me, champ. You can't buy my love. Uh, and Lord, we thank you for the way that you show us what love is to be like. We thank you for Jesus freely giving himself to us, uh, dying in our place, uh, that we might be yours for eternity. Uh, and Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, as we know your love, we might love freely. 
Uh, Lord, give us wisdom to know how this works out uh, in the practical day-to-day stuff of life. Help us talk about it, Lord. Uh, And we pray that you would forgive us for when we've been manipulative in relationship, uh, for when we've tried to attach strings. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us care for each other uh, as we have first been cared for in Jesus. Uh, We pray for healthy marriages. We pray for healthy relationships. Uh, that they would point to your love for us in Christ. And we pray these things in his great name. Amen.